Welcome back to our new podcast series on biodiversity net gain. I'm Fiona Sawyer, a professional support lawyer in the Herbert Smith Freehills London planning team. And I'm here with Martin Jarvis, a senior associate in our team. In this series of three episodes, we're discussing how the government proposes to implement the principle of biodiversity net gain for development. We've prepared a client briefing to accompany this series, so please get in touch using the contact details on the podcast homepage if you're interested in receiving a copy. The embedding of environmental net gain is a headline of the government's 25-year plan to improve the environment. The principles for biodiversity gain in planning have been clearly set out in the Environment Bill. Although the bill will not now return to Parliament until autumn at the earliest, there is little doubt that the planning system will soon incorporate a requirement for biodiversity net gain to ensure the protection and promotion of biodiversity alongside the revival of the government's plans for major increases in house building and the infrastructure revolution to support it. In episodes one and two of this series, we considered what the proposals for biodiversity gain in planning require and the ways in which a development can achieve the biodiversity gain objective. In this third episode, we will take a brief look at how the net gain requirement aligns with an important green infrastructure policy in the emerging new London plan requiring urban greening. Hello again, Martin. Hello. So, Martin, could you please start by telling us what urban greening is and what it requires? Sure. So, urban greening is defined in the intent to publish London plan as the act of adding green infrastructure elements. Uh, This definition identifies that due to the morphology and density of the built environment in London, green roofs, street trees and additional vegetation are the most appropriate elements of green infrastructure to be provided in the city. The principal policy in the emerging New London Plan which relates to urban greening is policy G5, which requires major developments to contribute to the greening of London by including urban greening as a fundamental element of site and building design. What level of urban greening needs to be achieved is for the individual boroughs to decide, with policy G5 identifying that it is for the boroughs to develop an urban greening factor to identify the appropriate amount of urban greening required in new developments, with the Mayor providing recommended target scores for residential and commercial developments to help guide the boroughs. Thank you very much, Martin. So can you tell us what the London Plan requires in relation to biodiversity net gain? So biodiversity net gain is dealt with by the next policy in the Intent to Publish London Plan, which is policy G6. And this relates to biodiversity and access to nature with particular regard to biodiversity net gain. And this policy provides that development proposals should manage impacts on biodiversity and aim to secure net biodiversity gains. The supporting text to policy G6 provides that the Mayor will be producing guidance to set out how biodiversity net gain applies in London. In this regard, it should be noted that the London Plan is planning policy, whereas the biodiversity gain objective condition provided for in the Environment Bill will be law. Policies in the London plan and any guidance in relation to them will not be able to lawfully amend the requirements for the biodiversity gain objective conditions to be deemed to be imposed on all relevant planning permissions. Thank you, Martin. So with this in mind, how do urban greening and the biodiversity gain objective overlap in London? Urban greening is focused on what green infrastructure can be delivered on site, with the borough set urban greening factor driving the extent to which a development needs to incorporate such 
green infrastructure to satisfy the relevant planning policy requirement. Green infrastructure provided on site to meet an urban greening requirement should also be capable of contributing towards the on-site biodiversity net gain. Therefore, identifying those urban greening measures which have a higher biodiversity value attributable to them will be important, so as to maximise the value generated in relation to both urban greening and biodiversity gain requirements by the same green infrastructure. So considering both holistically at an early stage will be key to ensuring a development delivers on both the legal and policy requirements as efficiently as possible. Thank you, Martin. So essentially, urban greening measures can contribute towards on-site post-development biodiversity value. Yes. So green infrastructure provided on-site to meet an urban greening requirement should be capable of contributing towards on-site biodiversity net gain. And in the context of biodiversity gain objective, it will be important for a developer to understand the value of what is proposed to be delivered through urban greening, both in relation to the urban greening factor attributable to it and separately the biodiversity value to be attributed to those measures by virtue of the biodiversity metric. It should be remembered that for urban greening measures to be included in the calculation of a site's post-development biodiversity value, used to determine whether the biodiversity gain objective is met in relation to a development, those measures will need to be required to be maintained for a period of at least 30 years after the development is completed, secured via a planning condition, a planning obligation in a Section 106 agreement, or a conservation covenant. So we discussed in the previous two podcasts in the series that the biodiversity gain objective allows for both on-site and off-site enhancements to be taken into account. As urban greening is an on-site matter, the obvious area where urban greening requirements and the biodiversity gain objective do not overlap is in the use of biodiversity gain sites and the purchase of biodiversity credits to increase the development's post-development biodiversity value. Neither of those biodiversity gain objective matters will contribute to the satisfaction of any urban greening policy requirement. Efficiently achieving the biodiversity gain objective on-site through the enhancement of habitat which satisfies both biodiversity gain and urban greening requirements is therefore likely to reduce the overall costs of satisfying the biodiversity gain objective condition, limiting those costs that need to be incurred for the delivery of habitat measures on biodiversity gain sites or for the purchase of biodiversity credits to satisfy the biodiversity gain objective. In addition, this would also limit the potential complexities of evidencing satisfaction of the biodiversity gain objective condition before the development may commence. Thank you very much for this, Martin. We've reached the end of this podcast and of the series. Over the course of this series, we've talked about the requirements for biodiversity gain in planning, the ways in which a development can achieve the biodiversity gain objective, and the overlaps between the biodiversity gain objective and the urban greening policies contained in the Emerging New London Plan. If you're interested in receiving a copy of the client briefing we prepared to accompany this series, please get in touch using the contact details on the podcast homepage. Please also get in touch if you have any questions on this podcast or any others in the series. Please note that these podcasts are intended to provide a general overview of our thoughts on how the government proposes to implement the principle of biodiversity net gain. We've tried to ensure that the information we've presented is accurate at the time of recording, but the law can change quickly and a general overview can't account for the many different factors that can affect individual circumstances. So please seek independent legal or professional advice. Thank you for listening and thank you very much for your help, Martin. Thank you.